0: As we continue our focus on our God through some of the Psalms, we come to Psalm 91, and it'd be really helpful if you had your Bibles open there at Psalm 91 as we follow it through. But first, let's ask God for His help. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. It was back in 1985, and I was within a week or two of marrying Karen. I was between jobs at the time. And I took some casual work with an accommodation service for troubled teenagers. The night shift, staying overnight with these youths. And this this particular night, one of the boys there lost it. He was completely out of control. He grabbed the knife from the kitchen and he was threatening me. Now, the other kids had got out. They were safe. But I had to stay. Uh, and, And I was terrified that I wouldn't ever get to marry Karen. So I ran to the staff room and locked myself in there, frantic. Frantically calling the permanent staff for help and having to wait it out. Refuge behind a locked door. Now, you may never have faced anything quite as dramatic as that, but I think we all, at times, have faced times when we feel we really need refuge. You know, when life turns sour, when things go awry. It might be relationships, it might be finances, it might be our health, or it might be the things that are happening for those that we love but we're filled with anxiety, stress, fear of what might happen. And if we heard the message of last Sunday from Psalm 90 at such a time, we might say, well, that's all well and good. I know my eternal home is with God. I look forward to that. But right here, right now, I'm in trouble. I'm feeling that frailty of life that Psalm 90 is all about, so I need shelter. I need protection, safety. And I think that's why Psalm 90 is followed by Psalm 91. I don't know if you noticed when it was being read, but Psalm 91 also, like Psalm 90, calls God our dwelling place, our home. It's in verse 9. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, and that's the same word as Psalm 90 verse 1. Here is the right here, right now implication of God being our eternal home. So here is the answer to the plea of Psalm 90. God is our present refuge when trouble strikes. Now, when I was in that locked room, just wanting to be safe for my wedding day, I didn't just call the permanent staff. I also called on God. And I remember turning to the Psalms for assurance. Now, I can't remember if Psalm 91 was one of the ones that I read, but it well could have been, for this is a message to strengthen and comfort us in all the trials and fears we face in this life. The God who is our home is also our refuge. So let's listen to this song together and hear its call to harbour in God's safe presence, hear of God's strong protection and hold on to God's sure promises. As the psalm begins, the language is all of shelter, refuge and fortress. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is really the basic message of Psalm 91. God is our refuge. We can harbour in his safe presence. And there are two things to particularly note. The first is the immediacy of these opening words. This shelter is not a far-off thing. Resting in the shadow of the Almighty is being offered right now. God is, not will be, the psalmist's refuge and fortress. This is an expression of trust in the here and now. The second thing to note is that it's individual. The translation, whoever, might obscure that, but this is all in singular pronouns which is different to Psalm 90, which was in predominantly plural terms. While Psalm 90 was the prayer of Moses, it was clearly a prayer that Moses led the people in. It was a corporate prayer, whereas Psalm 91 is an individual prayer. Now, we don't know who wrote it or when. It's reminiscent of many of David's psalms. It also, like Psalm 90, echoes the song of Moses in Deuteronomy. But, but it comes to us anonymous and timeless, which gives it a relevance for anybody in a time of trouble. This is the prayer of one person taking shelter in God, and so it can be read by any individual feeling the pressure, needing the safety of God's presence with them. I hear a strong, confident tune backing these lyrics, don't you? Maybe an Elgar tune with with lots of brass, or perhaps one of U2's anthemic themes. Music filled with assurance of God's presence. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. An image that this uh, opening stanza brings to my mind is of London during the Blitz. Under heavy air attack, it's a terrifying scene, but the people have flocked to the underground, which served as a sort of gigantic uh, air raid shelter during World War II. It's a frightening situation outside, but in the safety of this refuge, with the presence of the Home Guard, each person seems comforted. There's an air of confidence, of calm, of camaraderie. Of course, the Most High God is much more secure than even the most secure of any air raid shelter, The Almighty is stronger than any walls of protection. And the bulk of this psalm sings of that, declares the strong protection offered by the Lord who is our refuge. I love the image of God's strong protection in verse 4, or two images really. First, that of the warm protectiveness of a bird wrapping its wings over its young. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. But that's mixed with the hard, unyielding strength of a soldier's armour. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. As solid as armour, as gentle as wings, covered, protected, secure. And to a faithful Israelite, that combination of covering wings and battle-ready armour would surely have evoked the very symbol of God's presence with them, the Ark of the Covenant with its outspread wings of angels who would accompany them into battle, Uh, the throne of God that spoke of God being with his people, covering them. Its presence with them would remind them that, as Alan Harmon puts it, God's faithfulness to his covenantal promises would serve like a shield to protect them. And it would protect them in all circumstances. Particularly two are drawn out in the surrounding verses. First, with the assuring truth of verse 3. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. It could be the trap set by an enemy or an illness that has you laying low. God's saving presence will be with you in both. Then the same two threats are then spelled out more in verses 5 and 6. The first, the threat of enemies. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. That is, neither the midnight raid nor a full-on frontal assault at midday, however the enemy attack, you need not fear. While we may not be familiar with the ways of war, in the sense that ancient Israel would have been, (laughs) the truth is that. There is a spiritual battle raging. So Paul calls on Christians to arm ourselves with the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Peter speaks of resisting your adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We're in a war. It may not be fought with arrows or guns, but it's a very real threat. A battle of heart, of will, of spirit, as our enemy prowls, seeking to tempt us away from the Lord. He lays snares for us. It might be the lure of wealth, the trap of porn, or the urge to strike out in anger. He attacks at night when when we're tired and vulnerable. He lays a full-on assault in the day, in the commute, at the office, back with our family. There is a battle raging for our souls and we need God's strong protection. The other threat seems to have a a particularly contemporary relevance for us, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. There there are so many fears that have been associated with COVID-19 from the disease itself, either on ourselves or or those we love, to fears about vaccines, from isolation being cut off from loved ones to financial and employment threats. But the thing is, whether it's a global pandemic or some more individual diagnosis, ill health and the fears associated with it can weaken our spirit as well as our mind and body. And once more, we can be tempted to abandon God and his promises. But we need not fear, that's the message, because of those wings, that shield, because of God's faithfulness to his covenantal promises, because he is our strong protection. The psalm gives us assurance that God's protection is stronger than the devil's scheming. So verses 7 and 8 draw a contrast between God's protected people and those who reject God, called here the wicked. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And the assurance continues through the next stanza for those who take refuge in the Lord. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, No harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. There is assurance here of God's strong protection. But there's also much room for misunderstanding. And so there are a couple of things I really need to address or they're going to come up in question time anyway. Firstly, we hear all sorts of things about guardian angels. But the truth is, as the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology puts it, the Bible offers only a few hints about the nature of angels. And one of those hints is here that God sends them to guard us in some way. Exactly how that works, we don't really know but we can be thankful for their ministry to us. But the other even bigger question is the sense here of, absol- of the absolute terms of this protection. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. But doesn't experience tell us otherwise? Well, a few things to note. Firstly, look at God's words down in the middle line of verse 15. I will be with him in trouble. God will be with his people in trouble. Not God will keep his people out of trouble, which obviously implies that there will be trouble for God's people. They will undergo trials. Secondly, the language of Psalm 91 is clearly poetic. It's a song about God's protection, not a treatise on how that works. That's especially seen in verse 13 when it talks about treading on lions and trampling snakes. It's poetic imagery. It's not suggesting that you'll be able to stomp on the lions at Taronga Park or trample on the red belly black that you see on your bushwalk. A- a- other parts of Scripture suggest that it might be a reference to enemies, but basically it's a way of capturing the strong protection of God. <clears throat> Thirdly, trampling on snakes does have a particular Old Testament slant. Way back in Genesis 3, the first note of hope and promise in the Bible as God pronounces judgment on the serpent who had tempted Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That was the first hint in the Bible Of the coming Saviour King. So then, fourthly, well, remember that this is an individual prayer. And you know, the person who could most easily apply this to is God's anointed King. Yes, anyone of God's people could sing this song, but it has special relevance to the King who would lead them into battle, to the one God had anointed to save his people. And if you didn't recognise that, well, Satan certainly did. Remember when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? Well, Satan knew that he was God's anointed. And so he tried to tempt him with this promise of Psalm 91. That's in Luke chapter 4. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil throws these verses at Jesus so as to suggest that no harm could ever befall him, Jesus says that that would be testing God. These words are not meant to be claimed as some sort of magic formula. It's not about God will protect me from all circumstances. Jesus knew that. He knew that his mission on earth would lead to the cross. He knew his enemies would attack him. He knew he faced death. And to use the words of Psalm 91 to rely on God to save him from that would not be faith in the Lord. It would be testing the Lord. Incidentally, amidst the crowds of protesters over COVID restrictions, one of the statements on t shirts and placards has been, Jesus is my vaccine or similar. Now, whatever you think of the restrictions, and there are many varied reasons that people uh, may be wary of the vaccines, it seems to me that if the reason to object is that you think that you are immune from COVID because you're a Christian, Well, I think that seems more like testing the Lord than following the suffering servant. No, we should not take the poetic language of Psalm 91 as a guarantee that the faithful won't suffer. Remember, the battle that we are being kept safe from is the battle of our souls. Whatever shape the attack comes, illness, relationship, work stress, you name it, well, God will be our strong protection. So so rather than saying the faithful won't suffer, this psalm gives assurance that God will be our refuge in times of trial, protecting us from Satan's assaults, keeping us till the end when in Christ we will have the final victory. That's the promise that the psalmist is relying on. See how the psalm finishes in verses 14 to 16? Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is what it means for God to be our refuge, knowing that he promises to rescue those who love him, to protect those who acknowledge him, holding on to his promise to answer when we call on him to be with us through all the trouble that we encounter, to deliver us, to honour us and ultimately to satisfy us with long life and salvation. I I can imagine any faithful Israelite of any generation being buoyed and strengthened as they sang this psalm, as they grabbed hold of God as our refuge, as they meditated on his protection, as they absorbed his promises. But I especially think of those faithful but flawed kings of Israel like David, Solomon, Hezekiah, Josiah and most of all I imagine great David's greatest son, the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm would have had a deep assurance for Jesus as he supremely is the trusting man captured in these verses He couldn't be hijacked by Satan's misuse of the promise, for he knew it wasn't a magic one, but a call to faith, a reassurance of God's presence and protection. And so as Jesus went to the cross, suffering for my sin, your sin, as he was breathing his last breath, he could say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And though he had to die and suffer separation from his father for our sake, he was vindicated in resurrection and became the yes and amen to all God's promises. And so as in Psalm 91 verse 16, he showed the faithful his salvation and the satisfaction of a long life became the sure hope of eternal life. But before that, As he walked the earth with his disciples and welcomed back 72 of them, uh, rejoicing after a successful mission, he filled the poetry of Psalm 91 with rich meaning, saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Those early disciples got a taste of the victory that we have in Christ, along with a reminder that what really matters is the security of our eternal home, which we looked at in Psalm 90 last week, our names written in heaven. In Christ, we have the victory. Though the spiritual battle still rages, the war has been won. And we have power over the enemy. As 1 John 5, 4 says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And so as Jesus leads us in singing Psalm 91, there is a deep assurance for us in the presence, protection and promises of God. Not that we will never face trouble in this world. Not that we don't feel the attack of our enemy Satan Not that we never get sick or suffer in any way. No, the the, the promises of the psalm will not be fulfilled in their entirety until the new heavens and the new earth. Until then, we face trials of many kinds, but in Christ, we are secure. Our Lord is with us in trouble, our refuge. And we have the deep assurance of God's promised protection. As our New Testament reading from Romans 8 so evocatively echoes the same sentiment as Psalm 91. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever we face in this life, we have that assurance. For God is our refuge. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, you are our refuge and strength. So we come to you for shelter and protection. Lead us in the way everlasting and keep us from every wrong path. Amen.